Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I am Jennifer and this is episode 108. I finally have a job update. That's right. I finally got my offer letter. I am so excited and so relieved. Um, I was starting to get a little worried there. It was taking a while. And even though I understood, you know, um, on one hand that these things take time and that, you know, it's not in my time, it's in God's time. Um, I was getting worried. <laughs> it was taking a while. So, but I did finally get it. Um, I got it uh, last Friday and I uh, had to fill out a couple of more forms. I had to go on their website and officially accept the offer. Um, I turned in my letter of resignation at my current job. I did that yesterday. And um, of course, you know, my, my boss, I, I've been very, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been very open with my boss throughout this whole process. So, you know, it was not a surprise to him. In fact, when I was getting nervous about how long it was taking, he was the one who was telling me like, yeah, it, it takes a while. Just, <laughs> it's fine. Um, so like I said, it was not a surprise to him. Um, and, you know, we've been just over the last couple of days, my boss and I have just been trying to formulate a plan to make the um, transition as smooth as possible, um, you know, for me leaving and for whoever will be taking over. So my last day at my current job will be the sixth and my first day at the new job will be Tuesday, the 11th of October, the day after is it Columbus Day? I think so. Columbus Day. So now that I've got it <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm jinxing my chances, I could tell you about it. So you know already that it's a, a federal position. It will be with the Veterans Administration and I am very excited. They are starting a new program um, that I will be a part of. So I'm kind of getting in on the ground floor. They did a pretty massive hiring. I think I already told you they were hiring a thousand people for this program kind of across um, their organization. So um, I I really don't know much more about it than that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be working from home, which I think you already know. Uh, I will be working, continuing to work as uh, an HR rep or specialist or, you know, whatever their title is. Um, and possibly doing some traveling for this position, especially in the first year when I will be mostly training. So if they have any in-person um, trainings that, you know, are, are required, then I will have to travel for that. That was one of the things that they asked me during the interview was um, if I had any travel restrictions, which of course I don't, you know, I mean, nothing's keeping me here. Oliver is fine. <laughs> he could be, he can go a few days without me. In fact, he'd probably really enjoy it. So, so yeah, that's the job update. I am excited and uh, nervous, <laughs> which is probably a normal reaction, but uh, we'll talk more about that in a moment. TV podcast recommendations. I do not have any new podcasts this week. I just started a new one, but I'm not 
far enough into it, um, a new podcast. I'm not far enough into it yet where I can recommend it, but, um, but maybe by next week. For TV, I finally watched a movie. Um, actually, my sister had recommended this movie, a, a, I think it was a couple of months ago. And I finally, I've been wanting to watch it, and I finally just rented it. It's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I don't know if you've heard of this movie. I had not heard of it before my sister recommended it. This is probably like the most aptly named movies I have ever seen. It really is everything, everywhere, all at once. It's chaotic, funny, sad, emotional, violent, super gross. It's exciting and sweet and at times it's just completely absurd but it, it like well I don't know if you've ever heard of the other movie but it reminds it reminds me of Kung Fu Hustle which I had seen a long time ago at least I don't know 15 years ago but it has that same kind of feel and and I love Kung Fu Hustle I can give you a description you know, involving the multiverse with a bit of kind of sliding doors thrown in. But I could talk about this movie for the next 20 minutes and it won't come close to actually describing it or explaining to you just how very good this movie is. It's just cinematically, it's beautiful. But the themes and Oh, I just I just loved everything about this movie. It it's told in three parts. And at the end of the first part, it feels a little bit like the end of a very wild roller coaster ride where you're just kind of trying to figure out like what just happened and which end is up. Then it goes right into parts 2 and 3 and things are more fully explained. I loved this movie. But when it ended, it was like, I felt like I had just come out of a wind tunnel. It took some time for me to process because there is a lot going on, but it is really, really good. <laughs> I it highly recommend. It is available to rent on Amazon Prime. It was $5, very well spent. And on the Peacock app, I watched the new uh, BJ Novak movie. It's called Vengeance. Novak plays Ben Manolowitz, a New York City writer and podcaster and serial dater. Novak also wrote and directed the movie. It's about... Um, Ben gets a call one night and it's from this guy saying that his girlfriend has died and Ben is confused because he doesn't have a girlfriend. And after speaking with the guy on the phone for a while, he realizes that the guy is referring to a girl that he hooked up with one time and her name was Abby. Out of probably guilt, Ben travels down to Texas for the funeral and while he's there, he meets Abby's family and after spending some time with Abby's brother, the brother says that Abby did not die from a drug overdose, but was killed by a drug lord. And Ben, being the opportunist that he is, 
seize a chance to possibly get a story and a podcast out of this, telling the story of Abby's death and in the meantime, trying to figure out what really happened to her. Now, I had seen previews of this movie and I like BJ Novak. I I do. Um, I really only know him from The Office, but I do like him anyway. Um, I expected it to be quirky and it was. It is also dark and funny. I liked it. Uh, I liked it, but there were parts of it where it kind of felt like it went off the rails a little bit. There's a lot of monologues in this movie that are kind of like, I don't know, it feels like they're trying to sort of send up like virtue signaling, but but I did like it. Here's why. <laughs> the best part of this whole movie is Ashton Kutcher. I love Ashton Kutcher. Not even just because, you know, he's a good actor and he is, or he's good looking and he is, you know, he's personable. He's usually very good in everything that he does. But the reason why I love Ashton Kutcher, when I look at him, all I see is my nephew. He has the same eyes and the same smile as my nephew. So when I look at him, it's like I, I automatically feel like these, these feelings of like, you know, love and kindness towards him. I can't help it. He is so good in this movie. Really, really, really good in this movie. The best part of this movie. It's a good movie. It's a nice way to spend a couple of hours, maybe, you know, over a weekend, a rainy weekend. But unless you're a big BJ Novick fan, mm, I probably wouldn't seek this one out. All right, guys, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So the other day, after I found out that I definitely got the job, I sent a text to JJ to let him know because I told him that as soon as I found out, I would let him know. He gra- he congratulated me and said, wow, everything's coming together for you. I'm happy for you. You deserve it. And suddenly, I felt the fear creep in. All I could picture was that scene, you know, the one from Sex and the City where uh, Charlotte and Carrie are in a store and Carrie is talking to Charlotte because she's concerned that she has stopped running now that she's pregnant and asks her why, like, what is, what is she so worried about? And Charlotte starts to cry and says, no one gets everything they want. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to trust that when something good happens, it won't be followed by something bad just to balance the karmic scales. I feel like I'm always striving for something more, you know, something better, something that will make me happy in jobs, relationships, living situations, you name it. Every step I have taken has led me to something better. If I finally get everything I've ever wanted, what then? What comes after fulfillment? It feels like, you know, kind of like standing at the top of a mountain. Now what? 
If you also feel a sense of waiting for the other shoe to drop whenever something good happens, you're not alone. The truth is, almost everyone has felt some apprehension when it comes to going after or getting that thing that they've always wanted. But there is actually a lot of stress around when you think about your, you know, you living your best life. It's not even so much about getting what you want. It's about keeping it once you've gotten it. An article I found on Elite Daily talks about happiness fear and says it's actually pretty normal to feel this way. The article cites a therapist by the name of Ashley Edelstein who says, Fear in and of itself can actually be a useful tool because it's instinctual that, you know, it's a feeling that will keep you safe. But in certain contexts, fear becomes burdensome and unhelpful. Going for things that make us happy requires risk, and we are built to avoid risk and lean towards safety. Adelstein adds that being happy means that you have something to lose. And your fear might stem from a subconscious need to protect yourself from that loss. Either way, Edelstein says, it's normal to want to stick with things that feel familiar rather than put yourself out there and take a risk, even if in the process, you're holding yourself back from true happiness and contentment. If all of this sounds familiar to you, Edelstein had some suggestions, like, Thinking about what in life would make you happy and why it would make you happy. Picture yourself having achieved your happiness goals. Then ask yourself, do I feel a sense of anxiety or panic? Sometimes the fear of being happy shows up by imagining all the things that could go wrong. Like, for me, what if I suck at this new job? What if... I oversold my skills during the interview and now I have to live up to them and I can't. What if the job turns out to be not as great as I thought it would be? One of the aspects of the new job is that I will be working from home and that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, I I can kind of sleep in in the mornings. I won't have to deal with traffic jams. I will definitely save a lot of money on gas, which are, those are all good things. And yet I have been focusing on my fear that working from home will make me too isolated. I already don't really go anywhere or do anything. And regular listeners know that most of my social interactions happen either at work or at the supermarket. Will I become even more of a hermit with a working from home position? And what effect will that have on my mental health? Now, just to be clear, there is a difference between objectively weighing the pros and cons of a a decision or situation and obsessing over all of the ways it could go wrong. Not only is fear of happiness real, many people across the world have experienced it at one time or another. A study that was published in October 2013 in the Journal of Cross-Cultural Psychology looked at the fear of happiness across 14 countries. They found some fear of happiness across all nations, but the aversion was strongest in East Asia. India, Pakistan, Hong Kong, and Japan all scored high on the fear of happiness measurements. In contrast, less conformist cultures 
we're less likely to shy away from happiness. New Zealanders and Brazilians, they were the least afraid of happiness. When individual participants were asked why they feared happiness, some said that happiness makes you feel out of control, sort of like being drunk, which can lead to impulsive and destructive behavior, saying happiness makes you feel invincible, which can be dangerous. Others said they believe that extreme highs are always followed by extreme lows, the old what goes up must come down way of thinking. Or, as my friend's grandmother used to say, too much laughing leads to crying. Friend, I still love that saying and I use it often. And in some cultures, sadness and serious go, seriousness go hand in hand and it's seen as you having a deeper connection with God. They believe that contentment leads to complacency and it's viewed akin to laziness. Maybe it's not really happiness that we fear. Maybe it's like I said earlier, it's the thought of losing everything once we've gotten it. And that's me. It's not that I'm afraid to be happy. It's that I think that something bad is bound to follow because the karmic cycle must continue. But here's the thing. If something bad has to happen after something good in order to continue the karmic cycle, doesn't that mean that something good has to follow that something bad? Maybe what's happening now is the something good that's following the something bad. Did I lose you? Are you dizzy? It's a superstition, I know, and superstitions are not based in facts, but superstitions don't have to be logical to feel real. Take luck, for example. When you think about luck, you only worry about bad luck. No one worries that they might win the lottery. They worry that their car might break down. And we've already talked about happiness guilt in a previous episode. I found another study, this one conducted in 2012 by psychiatrist Paul Gilbert of Kingsway Hospital in England. In it, it was found that Fear of happiness correlates highly with depression. Dr. Gilbert said that feeling of dread can manifest itself in three different ways. One, the unhappy perfectionist. This is a person who feels unsettled when they're happy because they don't know how to not strive for something. Or two, the other shoe dropper. We talked about this one already. This is me. And three, the dip a toe in the happiness pool, where you only allow yourself to feel happy in small increments. But there is another aspect to all this, something that JJ said. He said, you deserve it. Do I? What makes me so deserving? And doesn't deserving something work both ways? If this is all happening because I deserve something good, how long before I'm deserving of something bad? Man, that's a lot of pressure. Everyone deserves to be happy, right? Or do they? My initial instinct is to say, yes, of course, everyone deserves happiness. But I realize that that may be my foolish idealism talking. When I take a step back and really think about it, the answer is no. Unfortunately, 
not everyone deserves to be happy, especially if it means that their happiness comes at the expense of someone else's. I can't believe that I deserve to be happy because that would mean I also deserved all the times that I wasn't happy, and I don't believe that either. The truth is, life is about ebbs and flows, and you will experience many moments of happiness and sadness throughout your life. Some of those moments will be a direct result of something you did, but not all of them. During my research, I found another article called What Unhappy People Won't Admit that said that the source for the vast majority of our unhappiness stems from our own beliefs and behaviors. Often people who struggle with happiness guilt also deal with feelings of inadequacy, poor self-image, and they usually are very self-conscious. Check, check, and check. One of the suggestions to breaking this negative cycle is to stop putting your happiness in someone or something else's control. The, I'll let myself be happy when fill in the blank. When I lose weight, I get a better job, I'm in a relationship. Stop making your happiness conditional on external things. Well, look. Here's the bottom line. No one is happy 100% of the time. It's normal to experience fluctuations in your level of happiness from day to day, month to month, or even year to year. In fact, according to a recent scientific study, overall levels of happiness decline from your teens to your early 40s and then pick up again and peak in your early 70s. So chances are that your happy, happiest days are still to come. Going back to Charlotte from Sex in the City, when Samantha asked her how often she is happy in her life, Charlotte said, every day. Not all day every day, but every day. Happiness is not a birthright. It's not inherent. So no, I don't deserve happiness, but I also don't deserve misery. Happiness is a choice and it's rooted and gratefulness. There's a lot of studies that have been done that seem to show that gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, cherish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. In one study on gratitude conducted by the University of Miami, Participants were asked to write a few sentences each week focusing on particular topics. In the first group, they wrote about things that they were grateful for that had happened during the course of the week. The second group was asked to write about like things that sort of irritated them, you know, or annoyed them during the course of their week. And then the third group wrote about the events that happened with no emphasis on them being positive or negative. After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. Other findings were that they also exercised more and felt overall physically better than those who focused on sources of the things that like annoyed them and aggravated through them through the course of the week. 
Another leading researcher in the field, a psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania, wanted to test the impact of positive interventions on people by having the participants write about their emotional memories. When the week's assignment was to write and personally deliver a letter, a letter of gratitude to someone who they had never properly thanked for their kindness, participants immediately exhibited a huge increase in happiness scores. This impact was greater than that from any other intervention, with benefits lasting for months. Now, if you guys haven't done this, I would highly recommend doing this. All of us have someone in, the, in our lives who made a positive, lasting impact on us. If you have that person and you feel that you have not properly, properly or adequately thanked them or expressed your gratitude, please write them a letter. I did this years ago. I had um, two gym teachers in high school and they were the two opposite ends of the spectrum. One was a completely horrible excuse for a human being and the other was pure kindness, love, and acceptance. And it is because of the kind gym teacher that I made it through because the awful gym teacher, it, what, it, he made my life very difficult. Um, and years after high school, I thought about Mr. Evans that was his name. I thought about him often and always, you know, with such kind memories of him. In fact, during my junior year, I switched high school because I was not doing well in my first high school and I wasn't kicked out, but I was very nicely invited to leave um, to maybe see if I could do better at a high school with, uh, I believe they said, more structure. Um, anyway, on my very last day at my first high school, I was understandably very upset. I knew that I had blown it. I was in a fantastic high school. Uh, it was great. I loved it. It was very diverse. It was um, what should have been a, a really good experience for me. I wasted. And I knew it that day. There was no more denying it. I was being asked to leave. And I was just sort of moping <laughs> in the hallway, skipping class as usual. One of the major reasons I was asked to leave. And Mr. Evans happened to wander by and he said, young lady, what class are you supposed to be in? And I started to tell him no class because I've been kicked out. And I instead just <laughs> burst into tears. And he pulled me into his office and we talked and I told him all about my regrets and how, you know, bad I felt and I wasted it and I'm a failure and I'm, you know, all this stuff a teenager feels when they've messed up. You know, everything is so much bigger when you're in your teens. And Mr. Evans listened and he was kind as he always was. And he said, it doesn't matter none of this matters. When you, when you graduate with your regents diploma or, you know, whatever, no one is going to look at the name of the school. They just want to see that you graduated. So, you know, maybe your grades aren't so great right now. Take advantage of the new school 
Get your grades up, get your GPA up, get your Regents Diploma, and go to college. And that is exactly what I did. And years later, you know, like I said, he, he stayed with me for years, uh, just his kindness. And I got it in my head one day to sit down and write him a letter. And I did. And I just thanked him. I told him how awful my high school experience had been. And he was like one of the few positive things about high school. I don't know if he ever got it. I mailed it. I don't know if he ever got it. He did not respond, and that's okay. I hope he got it, and I hope that he knew how special he was because I was. I know for a fact that I was not the only person that, that he had that effect on, and I will forever and always be grateful for how kind he was to me. So if you know someone, <laughs> write the letter. Do it for you, do it for them, do it just to bring up the good memories. So no, like Charlotte says, you probably can't be happy all day every day, but you just might be able to find moments of happiness in each day just by being grateful. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for coming back for episode 108. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, My So-Called Midlife Podcast, and like the Facebook page, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, and then tell them to listen. The second part, that's the important part. Spotify listeners, you can leave a review, five stars only, please. If you have questions, if you have topic suggestions, email me at mysocalledmidlifepodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time, love you. Bye.